Welcome, welcome, welcome. Oh man, I love when I do it all nice and nasally to another edition of We Want to Talk About It Now. And Julie, this one's going to be a bumpy one. So we hope that you have your helmet on and that you're in a nice, safe, enclosed area because it's about to get super volatile right now. Talking about something that everybody's scared of. And the main reason that I want to talk about it is because I think a lot of people are scared of it for very stupid reasons. Um, I'm going to start off by introducing who we have on today. So you have Alex, that's myself. I realize I never introduce myself and just expect anyone listening to the podcast to know that it's me, but I've been hearing that there are some people who don't know who I am that have been listening, which is kind of cool. Um, we have my wife on, Katie, who's been on a few times, and we have two guests that are joining us, April and Milan. April um, grew up in a small town in uh, Oregon, actually, Yep, before heading to school in California. And now she's in Utah, um, the craziest state probably in the union. Um, she felt torn leaving that comfort um, of her adopted home, which was California, right? Is your adopted home? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and then she has growing up biracial gave her the ability to code switch, but also leaves her feeling isolated from both sides, which I never have to think about. And I have a lot of questions about that, what that is like, because like I said... Uh, growing up as a straight white male, my life has been fantastically easy. Then we have Milan, who is a native Californian, who uh, joined April on the Utah adventure. That's a big commitment, joining to come out to Utah. Like, you left. Eh, more power to you. Fo uh, is a photographer. I don't know why I said it like that. Filmmaker and take a take or a parter of all things. What does that mean? Like you like just deconstructing and reconstructing stuff? Exactly. And then occasionally known to put them back together. <laughs> does that, uh, April, is there any times he'll, he takes stuff apart and then it's all destroyed? Constantly. Oh, okay. You should go in our garage right now. <laughs> That's uh, the last time somebody asked me to go into their garage. Cr crazy things happened. So I'm going to have to decline. But 30 minutes from now, totally down to go into the garage. <laughs> Super excited. So today what we're talking about, and uh, the reason that I want to talk about this is because people suck. And people do a really, really bad job of just treating people like human beings. Um. My first question is for both of you, and actually for Katie, too, uh, Katie being half El Salvadorian, half white. Oh, by the way, I haven't mentioned, talking about race today, everybody. Um, I feel like there are three types of people, and you can fall anywhere within the scale of how you treat race. One, you have the ignorant people, people who just don't want to take the time to learn anything about different cultures. Um, and when I say that, I mean that these people exist in every single culture, every single race, every single demographic. So I'm not just specifically targeting white people. Two, you have the proactives. What I mean by proactives are these people who are just like trying their hardest not to be racist, trying their hardest not to be discriminatory in any way. And I feel like sometimes it comes across as fake in a sense. And then you have the last, which I think is probably where we all want to be, is uh, treat people like people. Um, this is something I've struggled with. I've, for a long time, I feel like I was in the proactive thing where I was just trying to fake it a lot. Just be like, Hey, it's kind of like the Michael Scott in, in the office where he goes, Oh, I'm colorblind. And the reason I don't think people get why that's funny and why it's very <laughs> ironic. It's because by saying you're colorblind, you're automatically recognizing that there is a difference between you and somebody else. Thus, you're not blind to it. So in order to really be colorblind, you have to just like never know the like, 
like you have to literally treat someone like that's nothing. Um, so I feel like I did that a lot where I was just like, hey, I'm going to be so nice to you because I, I have all my white guilt. <laughs> uh, but now I'm trying to be more like, we'll see what happens. We become friends, then we can sort of uh, get into the difficult subjects if we ever have to. Otherwise, it's just like, hey, who you into? Jack White? No, you're into the white stripes. Um, nobody, <laughs> nobody will get that because I deleted that part of the recording. <laughs> so to you guys, what obviously we know which of these are the best, but what I want to ask is about the proactive people. How do you guys feel about them? Like, does that make sense how I've described them? And have you yeah. ever encountered people like that? Yeah, totally. I mean, um, it's cool. Uh, I don't mind it really. It's like, <clears throat> I am proactive on subjects. I'm also interested in if I'm hanging out and someone mentions that they're an engineer, I'm definitely going to be like, Oh, that's cool. You're an engineer. Tell me what that's like. What kind of lifestyle do you live? Where would you learn how to do this? Et cetera, et cetera. I'm not trying to like, and, and, and it can become, um, a bit what's the word for that uh like overbearing fetishizing or? maybe yeah sure. <laughs> you know but not in like a creepy way <laughs> yeah for the yet. for yeah. the engineering at least but uh, milan super into engineers yeah. <laughs> yeah you should you should see his garage yeah um you should see my friend ryan actually <laughs> but uh, but what's interesting about that though is engineer, that's something that's going to come up in conversation. I feel like there's a lot of, um, we have a lot of physical uh, cues, like obviously one skin color is something that is very apparent to people. But then there's also like with, I would say like with potentially the homosexual community, like you have, you there's sometimes where you can see physical cues where you're just like, probably. Yeah, there's markers. Markers, yeah. Well, and that's, that's the thing though, right? Is um, talking about somebody who's an engineer or who has a certain type of profession that you may be interested in is different than an immutable characteristic, um, which is, you know, the sort of jargony way of describing something along those lines. But I'm actually surprised to hear you say that um, the sort of proactive attitude is something that you don't mind so much. It's also something I don't necessarily mind, but I do uh, make a note of it when I come across it of how do I want to engage with this person on this topic, right? It's not necessarily about do I need to bring it up because I, I feel like they're engaging me on the topic first and I want to take a step back to be like, hey, I, I try not to think about the implications of my race and gender every single day of every single moment. So maybe I don't want to talk about this today, but on other days, I do feel like they're the type of person who I can have a conversation with in, in the hopes that, that they have conversations with other people that in, engage on my perspective. So that, that's why I try to engage with those types of people. Uh, I got stuck about a minute ago because I think you're not supposed to say the homosexual community. I'm not a hundred percent sure. What? I thought it was, yeah, you're probably right. I thought, but see, that's the thing. You're probably right. That's the thing that is a challenge today is that even unintentionally you can offend people. Yeah. And like, I see your face right now and I see that you were trying to say the right thing to give people the space to exist. But like, there's all these triggers in the world there's all these things you're not supposed to say and you don't even know you're not supposed to say them and it's and that i think gets in the way of 
group number three of just treating people like normal people because if you come from spaces that are so far separated, your definition of normal people can just just barely, the Venn diagram gets really narrow, you know? Interesting. So then what are like some of the, like the behaviors, like obviously one that I just did, that's like one of the behaviors. And I think that's what's interesting about it because like you said, you saw me saying it, so you know exactly what I was intending with where I was going. And this is going to sound like, oh, poor white boy. And that's not like how I mean this. But I think a lot of people just are scared. And like, and that's, and like, and like sometimes they're just like, I'm so sorry that you're so scared of like saying the wrong thing. But I think it's important that one, people get called on, out on it. But I think the way that we call people yeah, out on things ab- is something we need to get better at. Generously is absolutely the right word. We, so, um, a, what, two years ago, maybe three years ago, there were, uh, before even the Trump era, we'll call it, there was a, an increase in conversation about college campuses and what it means to have safe spaces and who are they for and what does it mean to close ourselves off to certain types of thought, even those that we disagree with. And that was a huge conversation for us of what does it mean to have people who say things that are a little off color, but are generally not meant with harm. They're not malicious. How do you engage on a topic like that? And it definitely has to come with that sort of generosity of like, hey, I see what you're trying to do here. Let's talk through what it means, like how you can engage on that topic differently. Like, let's talk about how you can have a different vocabulary and get you more comfortable with saying things while you're also saying things that wouldn't necessarily feel great to the person who they're about, right? Like there, there should be space to be able to talk about those things. And we've both talked about what it means for us to have a role in that conversation. So especially for myself, like presenting the way that I do, I do try to let people just say things and pause long enough to be like, hey, here's my perspective on it. Here's someone who has lived a life with this, you know, perspective and this, uh, experience level and that sort of thing. So here's some additional information for you to walk away with. What you do with that is not necessarily my responsibility, but I do want to give you the space to screw up. You know, that I think is equally important. That's why I think we've gotten to this such a polarizing place is no one is able to talk about it because they're afraid of being called out and afraid of being called a racist. No one wants to be on that side of the line unless you actively intend to. And those people are actually few and far between. I've said this before, that's one of my favorite um, Key and Peele statements is where he goes, um, the N-word for white people is racist. Oh. <laughs> and it's, yeah. it is very much like, no matter yeah. what, that's like the one, like, cause you know, like they have cracker, honky, whatever, and nobody cares about those. But yeah. if you call a white person a racist, then that's when they're triggered to have, yeah. I hate using the word triggered. Um, but that's when they have like this, whoa, 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 no, 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 I'm not. But yeah. this is another thing that I've mentioned before. Uh, I forget what, I think it was my narcissism episode. Everyone forgets that every single category that you can place a person into is a spectrum. So it's not just you're a racist. Every single person has racist tendencies. If you, if, if you want to lie... There's a song about that. Yeah, if, if someone wants to say that they don't, no matter who they are, I will call them a liar. And I know that I fall... I know that I'm on the lower end of like... So if you have like the middle, I'm on the lower end of the racial scale, scale but I know that I have my you know, like these stupid things that I will say on occasion. Um, and that's the same for the LGBTQ community. 
that sounds right. I don't know. I don't know know either. And that's the struggle where I think we're kind of on the same page here is like the things I know are the things about my community. And I don't necessarily Mm. know how to like creatively, constructively engage with other people's communities. I don't know what the landmines are. I don't know what the words are that will trigger people. But that's my thing. Like, aren't there always, but here's the thing, like within communities, there's very, very specific things. And what I try to do is just avoid those very, very specific things. And I'm just like, so you watching Game of Thrones? (laughs) Yeah. And and you mean until the point where you're uh, engaged enough with this person, we keep saying that word, uh, that you're familiar enough with this person to talk about something on a deeper level? Like, or, or do you... Do you walk into these conversations thinking like, I'm going to stay surface level until the point that I know this person enough to be able to talk about other things? That's that's something I think about. That's, that's a good question. I think a lot of times we view, like I, I use the Game of Thrones example. Mm-hmm. There are so much theory and things to talk about within that, that you're not really talking about Game of Thrones. Like, oh, you know what I mean? Like, you get yeah, what I mean? Like, it, yeah. So things will come up, in a vi- but it's in a very safe space. Game of Thrones is a very safe uh, space to talk about taboo subjects because within... Unless you're a woman. <laughs> Wait, what do you mean well, by that? Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good question or a uh, statement. I read a lot on the internet and occasionally people have said that Game of Thrones is misogynistic. But isn't that the reason why you would engage on that topic? It's like, I have actually loved being able to talk about the Game of Thrones the Game of Thrones because especially when you look at the progression of female characters in that show over the last what seven I mean, seasons all of the women are now the Exactly. The power exactly. And but there is something to that, right? Asking the question of like did the showrunners intend for that to be where this lands did the author intend for that to be where this lands? And if not, then how do we talk about the context of how women have been treated in the show? And so I'm and yeah, also I like the blood and the gore and the fantasy. So I'm I'm here for both reasons. And I, and yeah, I I still want to be able to talk about something that's culturally relevant, um, whether it's pop culture or not, to the point that it allows me to have the conversation about what traditional gender roles are, what it meant to be a woman in that time period, even though it's you know fantastical, and also be able to say, and I like the show. I like the show too, but the the contention comes up with what you just mentioned authorial intent interpreting a piece of art through the lens of authorial intent is actually a rather generous way of looking at it Mm. you could also look at it as what is it showing and how does what it shows impact the culture so up until seasons one through six discounting season seven up until the end of season six it showed women making strides and then being immediately assaulted in some way, some way put back into their place, some way like deconstructed and then women making strides again and then the same thing happening over and over again. And so the things I was reading was like, that's kind of a reflection. And I'm not, let me just caveat. I'm not necessarily saying I agree with this. I'm just saying this is the perspective. This is the conversation. Yeah. This is the perspective I picked up. Yeah. So that, from that lens, discounting authorial intent, but going from like, what is it actually showing to the populace? You could say, oh yeah, this, the way that it positions women as making strides and then immediately being put back, being being shut down for that, is like supporting the patriarchy. Mm. 
So, but then again, yeah, I, I like the show too. And it's like, but nothing, what, what the broader point yeah, here the broader, is but nothing, it's, not, it's not about Game of Thrones. Like yeah. I just use Game of Thrones because that's just a very popular example. But you find whatever niche you guys can, um, can agree on. And then within, I don't know, I just feel like naturally in conversation, at least with myself, things just naturally end up being said. And then conversations about X, Y, and Z happen Hmm. Mm -hmm. regardless of what the game of thrones was just the vehicle in that example Mm -hmm. like the vehicle can change Mm -hmm. with every single person but eventually that vehicle takes you down a road of learning a lot about one another Hmm. it's just uh, because i do agree like it's a very surface level example but i feel like that's where isn't that where you have to start you can't start inside somebody's head unless like it's black mirror then you have like those <laughs> magic ways of getting inside uh, Hannibal brains. Lecter. yeah well and that was sort of your point right is that there there is a type of person who um rather than stating that they're colorblind is like well let me come at you let me talk to you about the thing that's most obvious let's talk about your immutable characteristic and tell me what that means and what is it about and how is it to deal with those things well yeah, and that's the question that katie had mm-hmm. was is that weird like, like that's, I, I feel like it's weird. Like when it happens to Katie, like it's like, hey, so like, what, what's the question? I forget how they ask it. What ethnicity are you? And what are you? That's yeah, the other one that's always you? interesting. When I was younger, I got, uh, what you mixed with. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that one. From adults or kids? Kids. Okay. Like, Usually. Not, not that that's like great or anything, but it's better. <laughs> it's better than if like a 25 year old, you're an adult person to like an eight year old kid. What you mix with, yeah. So how do you feel about that when people ask you? It's been my whole life, I guess, uh, especially because I am mixed and my parents look very different from me. And when I was younger, especially, it just sort of was par for the course. So were questions about, so are you adopted? Is this really your mom? Uh, You know, who are these people that you're with? Is that actually your brother? Like, because my brother and I have have a totally different mix, you know? So it's it's very, it runs the gamut. Uh, And some of the things are more benign than others. But as I, you know, sort of came into my own identity, it became uh, a very difficult question for me to hear because I just felt like it was no one's business. And then I got to a point where I was like, I... I have enough mental wherewithal to allow people to ask me this question and then work with them on why that question might not work for everybody else. So sometimes I like in recent years, culture has made it so that that's not an appropriate question to ask. So I get it less. But when I do, I just try to remind myself that in most cases, they're mostly trying to understand like, why it is that I have very blonde, very big curly hair and crazy looking eyes, uh, and beautiful looking eyes. <laughs> Come on, and, Katie, this is serious. <laughs> and and that they're curious about my experience, and so I use the opportunity to be a teacher. I guess Milan and I talk about that a lot. Is you know what does it mean to be a person with a different perspective in a in an environment where a lot of people have the same perspective as somebody else that they're talking to. So how would you want people to ask you then if there's like an appropriate way to ask? Well, I, I love um, the point you made about, you know, start with a surface level question. I, I don't usually care for it being the first question that someone asks unless 
I can tell that that person is also mixed and somehow that I, they get away with it. So I could ask you that and it'd be fine. Uh, yeah. But, and, but I would ask you the same question immediately. It's like, I'd look at you and be like, mm, there's something happening here. <laughs> and, and so I, I don't usually start it, but if somebody who else who is mixed is like, are you mixed? I'm like, yeah, are you? It seems like it. And it, uh, gives me a chance to jump that hurdle of like, I don't, I don't have to have any sort of like, uh, small talk to be like, yeah, we can engage because we probably have enough similar experiences that that will ground us before anything else. So have you guys seen Inglorious Bastards? Don't remember it, but yes, okay. <laughs> it's Quentin Tarantino's world war two movie. I just know They're, Hitler dies. Spoiler yeah. alert. <laughs> <laughs> They're in, um, Michael Fassbender and some other people parachute into Germany, right? And they're trying to meet with their contacts so they can infiltrate the Nazis, et cetera, et cetera, right? The scene I'm bringing up occurs in an underground bar. It's kind of a trap, but they don't know that yet. And what happens is a German, an actual German soldier, comes up to Michael Fassbender and, you know, just starts engaging with him on conversation, starts asking him questions, you know, trying to figure out where he's from, et cetera, et cetera. And... The same sort of things April was just talking about are what occurs in that scene. There's a breakdown of it. It's really cool. So apparently, maybe at that time, maybe currently, um, Alex, I want you to show me three on your fingers. All right. So in the scene that that comes up, and what Alex did was... I did my middle ring and pinky. Mm Mm-hmm. And then the Germans do that, right? Wait, No. They it's do. The, yeah, yes, it's like I did. Oh, great! So I'm a racist. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, I did what the Germans did. No, Thanks. it's not. It's not Trick about. It's not tricks. about being racist. It's about finding. It's 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 finding those kind of touchstones, those keys that identify the in group versus the out group, mm-hmm. right? So if you're part of the in group to the Germans, they're like, okay, you're you know you're on our side. You're one of the good guys if you're a German. But if they see you do the wrong thing, they're like. I got to continue to question you. I got to figure out where you're from and what you're doing here. And it's that same sort of it in the context of this example, that's framed as a conflict and it doesn't necessarily have to be like in America in today. But if you feel, if you feel any way like attacked by the questions people are asking you, even though there's no malicious intent from the other person, it can be framed as a conflict inside of you. Mm. And that is a very wearing down sort of experience. Mm. It's hard to go through that, I think, multiple times a day or even multiple times a week. It's just to be like someone's asking you kind of like, who are you and what are you doing in my town, in my city, in my country, you know? And so it's like you have to, you've got to do the work to make sure you're making the right gestures, you're saying the right things in the right order. And it can can wear a person out. Do you guys feel like that has molded you at all, like to who you guys are now? Yeah, for me, and April's going to jump in here in a second. For me, yes, more so as a kid, but nowadays I just mess with people. I'll just, (laughs) I lie. I'll say anything. I'm an Arab sometimes. I'm Israeli other times. One time a lady asked me where I'm from, 
And she and, and so I was like, uh, Los Angeles. And she was like, no, really, where are you from? Well, Culver City. That's the I get that that's a it. lot. That's yeah. so and that bugs me because, yeah, yeah I'm not from yeah. anywhere else except for California. Like, yeah. when, no, really, where are you from? Yeah, I like, just had yeah. to get more and more specific. I was like, well, Culver City. And she's like, well, what, what, well, Brotman's Hospital. Well, no, no, no. Oh, Do you want to know where my parents are from, where my grandparents are? <laughs> like, because that's, that's like the question the for you. It's where your mom's from. It's not even like, because you are from California. Like, you're from the United States. So yeah, I think that's an inappropriate way to ask. Yeah. Unless they're really asking, like, where did you move from? And the fact you know? that they keep yeah. asking it is very weird. Yeah, just trying to drill down further and further. Yeah. Like Placerville? But Have you heard of Placerville in California? <laughs> where the gold rush happened? You know where that is? No, that's, that's not what we're going for. All right. But sincerely, I don't get that question very often anymore. Do you still get it? Once in a while. Not, Once in a while. Not as often, But no. do you feel Did like... you used to get it? All the time. As and a now kid, you don't. And now I don't. And it's so strange to me. When did that start? In, you're in Utah? No. Well, so I get it more in Utah, which is interesting. So the first time I ever realized that I might be a somewhat normal human being was when I moved to Los Angeles for school. And people weren't surprised at all by the fact that I was mixed. They were like, oh, yeah, I've seen a million people who look like you. And I was like, where are they? <laughs> Seattle. <laughs> who, who are those people? Uh, and who else has this experience? And I was open up to a whole new world of people that had a similar experience to mine that I had I never realized was something that I was frankly aching for because I, I just didn't know how to engage. And up until that point, I had always just been black. That was how everyone I grew up with identified me. That was how my mother identified me. That's how my dad identified me. That's how my brother and I identified. And then I realized that there were facets. And that was just a really interesting experience. Um, but whenever anyone asked where I was from up until that point, I just said, oh, you want to know what's going on here? I'm mixed. That's the answer to your question, half black, half white. Like, let's move on. The where question doesn't make any sense for that, though. Also that, yeah. Well, it's because you're... It's like, where, like, what ultimately, like, you want you want to know what I made up of genetically. That's what you want to know. Yeah. You don't want to know, like, which geographic location I am from. It's yeah. trying to... It's trying to find the non-offensive words to actually ask the question. But it's even more offensive, though. Well, yeah, certainly. But why do you have to... Like, that's like my... And I'm not even... I'm not playing like the... But this isn't even me being the sensitive white dude. Like, that, that, <laughs> like I just think it's a very inappropriate question to ask anybody that well, you're just meeting. But can we talk about that? Because it, it, it... I will be the adv devil's advocate in this particular situation. It... It is not my favorite question to answer. In fact, I think it does feel very rude when someone asks it. But is is the implication really you don't belong here? So why are you here? No, or no, where no, are you no. From? I just like, think like I, that's what I wonder. Maybe like it depends in the I'm context. The yeah, yeah. In the no, no, no. In, in the context of World War II in an underground bar in Germany, where are you from? Is definitely a conflict-inducing statement. Now it it. It depends on both sides of the equation. If the person who's asking you is asking you with that intent, then yeah, you better watch out because they they're asking you in the way like they think you're not from here. I just Go ahead. like my rationale for like how I think though is the reason that that's not important is because I, I agree with what you're saying, but. What they're trying to do is like create, like figure out if you're part of my group, right? Yeah. Like they're trying to figure yeah. that out. Like, are you part of my group and can we coexist and like knowing like, and then once they, but, I, but I think a lot of people are just, I, I want to be on the side where people are just like, I don't know what the 
fuck to talk about, so I'm just going to go for this one. I don't. Yeah. I have no idea what to talk about with you, so I'm going with the worst possible question if you don't know what to talk with someone about. Hey, what are you? Where are you from? Like, there's so many. There's so many things to, that you could potentially talk about. Yeah. There's millions of TV shows, and I know I keep going to entertainment. There's so. There's so much art, music. Um, sports, athletic events, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I think sports is actually exact. I think that that sheds a lot of light on this situation. To me personally, it seems like when a person gets into that situation and doesn't know what to say, it just immediately goes to their lizard brain, and the <laughs> lizard brain is like, these are the things that are important, like food, tribe, and location. Ooh, I love talking about food, though. Right. I love yeah. talking. So about it's food. like, and the, and you know. Probably. What do you eat where you're from? Is that a better, is that a better question? <laughs> crickets. Lots of crickets. What genome are the crickets from? Like what, what exactly specifically, what type of, the, I'm like, we're talking crickets? African killer bee no. crickets. Drosophilia? Like, no, those are flies. <laughs> but like it's, if, you know, like we all just have kind of like base instincts, I feel like, and tribalism is a super basic part of what we are, and that's why sports are so prevalent everywhere. Tribalism at, yeah. its, at its at its safest, almost. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, yeah. except for that like Giants fan who got killed. A couple All right, years that ago. was one time. And then the Dodgers <laughs> fan. I I don't know. The California rivalry is it's heavy. But so the thing that I think about, and this is uh, something that's been on my mind more recently since moving is that I had this experience this whole, you know, 18 years of my life where I I lived in a place that was rural and uh, somewhat ignorant, but not, not maliciously, again, not maliciously, um, at least not always. And then moved to a place that can't help but be like bursting at the seams with diversity to another place that's mostly confused about what level of diversity is happening right now. It's like Ricky Bobby, like, what do I do with my hand? <laughs> what am I, what am I supposed to do? I hope I'm not doing the wrong thing. <laughs> and, um, what is so fascinating about Utah is twofold. First of all, um, because LDS is the prominent, like the LDS people are, are prominent in, in Utah, you have a high frequency of travel, um, mostly due to the mission structure, right? Yeah. And, that makes people both, I don't know, both more engaged and less engaged at the same time. It's fascinating, right? Because you go to a place with the intention of getting to know the people and getting them to join you on this like religious experience, right? And and, and join you on this uh, path to a, a certain type of faith, which means that you are also in some way changed by that, which sometimes means that people come back with a much broader perspective on what it means to lead a different life, right? Just based on your culture. But then it also means that sometimes you find people who are like, oh, I did my mission and so now I'm cultured and I can engage with you on any topic I want to. And I'm just like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, that's not how that works. Um, and so it, it's definitely been interesting seeing some of that because that that applies to people who have not just served a mission, right? And it applies to lots of people who are in Utah because they are exposed to different things, especially because there's also a decently sized refugee population here. So I don't know. It, it it makes me wonder sometimes how how people ask the question of like, what are you? Where are you from here? Versus when I was in LA and somebody might be like, so what you mix with, right? Because they've seen enough of it to know that that's what's happening. But I also find that mildly offensive. Like, it's just like, 
can we talk about anything else? Like, did you see Game of Thrones last <laughs> week? Like, come on. Did you, did you see all of the misogynistic <laughs> stuff that went on last week in last episode of Game of Thrones? <laughs> well, and there's no oh, weather. I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> there's no weather in L.A., so you can't talk about that. So traffic. Traffic, traffic is yes, LA's that's weather. True. That's true. Yep. I think people see something and they just want to talk about it immediately. Yeah. So like, I mean, I have a the reptilian. Yeah, I have a boot right now, and that's like mm. all people want to talk about is how I hurt my foot, yeah. and it's like, how did you hurt your foot? <laughs> Shut up, Milan. <laughs> Running. Uh, um, okay, yeah. So I think they just see something. They're like, that's obvious. Yeah. I'm going to talk about it because I have nothing else to talk that's, about. That's literally the lizard yeah. brain taking yeah. over right there. But it's just, it happens with so many different things though too. Not just like race, but like yeah. an injury or. But I think, that's, I think that's the thing that comes across geographically is that if you've seen enough of a thing, it's no longer unique. Yeah, if everyone had a boot. Exactly. We would never ask you. I mean, you might you may be like, so how'd you get your boot? Um, right? And it, it might be something along those lines, but it, the the depth of the question is different at that point. And, and you're not having to focus on that piece. It's just sort of behind you because you're like, oh, I've seen enough of this that... It doesn't actually matter, and it might come up in a different way, and we'll get there eventually. And that's why I feel like sort of returning to a place where I'm like, oh, yeah, I have to broach this question again. And it just makes me tense up a little bit because I'm, I don't know, I get defensive about it, especially being biracial and having to deal with it from both sides. Yeah. Um, with, uh, I've been making the joke that. Katie and I switch off wearing the boot because we just want to have topics of conversation. It's just an easy icebreaker, honestly. Face tattoos work like that. <laughs> it, was, it was. We did have a, a poll. It was between face tattoos or getting the boot, and we went with the boot. Sorry, I didn't want to Mike Tyson my face. Up. <laughs> uh, the thing about missions is interesting because so I served in Mexico, Chiapas, Southern, right next to Guatemala, borders it. Uh, it I think the problem with missions is that everybody sucks at this. Mm. Everybody sucks. Everybody sucks. Like, like I, I want to make everyone know that this is why I go back to the, spe the spectrum. Everybody is a little racist. Everybody is a little bit of a dick. In Mexico, there were amazing people. In Mexico, they were horrible people. Mm -hmm. Like, you get the entire spectrum of these types of people. Mm -hmm. And so I think what happens is people have these conversations on their mission with people who aren't good at like um, at addressing the subjects. Mm. And then they're like, oh, that's how these people addressed it with me on my mission. Mm. Like being obviously being the only white, yeah. blue-eyed guy for in for miles. <laughs> and then you come home and you're like, oh, that's how you do it. And that's uh, not how you do it. Yeah. Like that's not like some people were good at it, but we just, the people that offended us the most were the people that we remember. And then that's what we mm. kind of bring back. That's how I view it. I feel like I've gotten a lot better, but that's how I was right when I got back from my mission. Mm. Very just like, Oh, you sound different. Like as bad as that sounds, but like that was what people were asking us yeah. in Mexico. They'd be like, "Oh, you sound different. Where are you from?" Yeah, and just like, "No, it's because I'm white, right? It's because it's because I'm white. I know exactly." Like, uh, like they, and it was always super funny. Like, yeah, you have you have blue eyes. Why? 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 Why is that? It's like I'm from the United States. I'm from the United States of America. Yeah, it's like. I think we all. I'm not complaining, by the way. I don't think like it wasn't tough for me to handle or anything like that. Like it was two years, whatever. No, 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 no. It's tough. I mean, ooh, no. What was tough was when they would do this. They'd go, "Oh, you're American, so you're racist, right?" 
that what was tough because it was right when the Arizona thing happened. Mm. Oh, and so there's like, how come you don't want how come you don't want us there? It was like, all right, when you say you, could you at least make it like the entire United States like, instead of just me? Instead yeah, of- exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, it's being being a missionary in Mexico is probably the closest. I won't say it's identical, but it's probably the closest experience you can have to being uh, multiracial in the United States, just because you always have to wonder what people are at. You have to wonder what do people really mean by the thing they're saying to you, and also why are they saying that thing? Like, what do they mean, and what's their intention? And mm-hmm. it's kind of like it's a heightened level of awareness that goes into every conversation, in order to number one, just on a base level, protect yourself. You know, because there's at least for me there's a base level of just violence. That's just the background noise that I exist with in this country. And number two, because once you're above that kind of like, is this person going to try to hurt me in some way? You have to get on to like, okay, do I want to be friends with them? Do we have anything in common? All the et cetera, et cetera, normal things that you have to think about when you're talking to Mm -hmm. a person. Well, so this is something that I, I strongly believe so this is going to sound weird I just have to get through this and then you'll be able to answer the question so ultimately something that is really strange for me is there are people who thrive under pressure right most athletes thrive under pressure most musicians thrive under pressure because they're being watched by people Uh, there's a reason that not everyone is a professional athlete there's a reason that not everyone is a professional musician there's a reason that not everybody is a professional x y or z because they can't handle that pressure my theory or my hypothesis and this could be in inaccurate i am 100 percent willing to get pushback from it is that people have this fear of coming across as racist and all of that pressure that is on them going into a relationship makes them fail Makes them fail in the relationship because they're just so bad, don't want to screw this up, that just like everyone else who can't do the music, who can't do the sports, whatever it is, they screw it up. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like, because that's that's how I really see a lot of it. Like, it almost makes them more prejudiced. The fear of of being racist makes them compensate in a negative way. Yeah. No, I could see that. There is proactivity as far as racism goes, but I think there's a lot of just like, Oh, I screwed up on that one. Yeah. Let me, uh, well, but that's something we've been talking about, right? Is that, so there's this whole James Gunn situation, right? The, uh, former now director, producer, whatever he was. Could be director uh, again tomorrow. His was the pedophilia stuff, right? No. He did some racist stuff too? Well, he, no. He just made, he, made he didn't pedophile do jokes, anything. He made jokes. And I'd like to draw a distinction between doing bad things to children and making jokes about it. Like, yeah, sure, reprehensible, but there's always a spectrum. Mm -hmm. There's always a spectrum. There's not, not only is there a spectrum, but like, so the comparator is the, the Me Too movement, right? Like the, there's a point at which we have to stare this thing in the face and say, this is an issue and we'd like to address it. And here are some people who have been, uh, hiding behind, um, our unwillingness to talk about this subject, whatever the subject may be. I think over the past couple of years, it's been very prominently race um, because of things like uh, police shootings and um, the 
like advent of having a black president and then the downfall of not having one, um, whatever you take that to mean. But in this, in this way that we're shaping conversations, you have to be able to first identify the issue, talk about the people who have been hiding behind our inability to identify the issue. And then you also have to talk about how you're going to bring people back from that. Like, People, I legitimately believe that people deserve to be forgiven, um, both for my own sake, because I've said some stupid things in my life, and also for the sake of us having actually thoughtful, healing, productive conversations. I am in no way a believer in blacklists of people who have been you know, said a racist thing in their life. I've also said some stupid stuff, and I just, I, I need that approach to be true if I intend for people to learn from the things that they think and don't always say out loud, but then sometimes do. Because that's exactly the point, right? Like people are afraid of being called racist and without giving them enough room to say some things and uh, express their assumptions, you'll never break them down ever. They will just subsist and influence their behavior without being able to be resolved. Like I know I have that particular attitude with things I understand about, um, both the gay and the transgender community. It's like things that I assume and that only until I've actually been able to talk to people who have those experiences have I been able to be like, oh, that's not how that works. Great. Now I learned. Well, and what's tough about that, though, is even like let's just say you have a couple friends within a given community like that. They aren't fully representative of the entire community still. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely a caveat. In yeah. There. Yeah. Because like that's I think um, some people's lives are easier than others as far as that because of like maybe they have awesome parents who can help them out with it other people don't have awesome parents who can i don't know if help even that is kind of loaded language help out like what do they need help with yeah um but i what what this is my question then so like what do what do people do to to be better because ultimately that's what this that's what the point of this is it's not just to like talk about these issues yeah. for everything but to give not even necessarily concrete examples, just more guidelines as far as like how to, basically just how to face, that's just like so weird. Like I feel like it's not that difficult, but it is. Like I like the forgiveness thing because people say stupid stuff. Maybe one thing that is helpful is if it happens in a group setting, depending on how bad it is, obviously. Once again, you have to find that fine line as far as communication goes. Yeah. Don't bring it up in the group setting because mm-hmm. that will embarrass them and yeah. make them shut off. Um, but definitely have this. You also can't just let it go because it, the potential for it happening again, happening again is there. That's my one thing that I have thought of as we've yeah. been discussing this. Uh, you know how to play guitar? Yeah. How'd you learn? Out of the back of a songbook? Just sort of self-taught, I guess. There you go. That's how you get better at anything. Do some research. You don't... For me personally, everything starts with research. You don't have to talk to anybody. You don't have to see anyone. You don't have to have any experience with another culture. Just go on the internet. Just read everything you can. Some of it's going to be good. Some of it's going to be bad. Some of it's going to be right. Some will be wrong. But having the base vocabulary to interact with someone once you get in front of someone from a different culture, that will be your best resource for actually making productive dialogue when you get in front of that person 
if you care about the thing, research it online, figure out everything you can before you put somebody on the spot to kind of like school you and explain everything to you. Like you can do this yourself. Yeah, that so I the internet is not where I would go, but I understand <laughs> your sentiment. There's um, books too, they still exist. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sometimes on paper. Um, but the the point stands is that it, and we brought this up a little bit earlier too is that uh, you can't expect people you engage with to be your teachers. Um, so if you're if you're working, and I think the same is true of anything, right? Like uh, I mentioned that since we've moved to Utah, we've learned a lot about LDS culture and like Mormonism and things like that, but not at the uh, expense of people's like sanctity for their religion, right? Like we try to be as respectful as possible while also learning things on our own and being like, hey, I learned this thing today. Like, can you... Would you be willing to have a conversation with me about that? At the same time, I think it applies for other conversations you engage with. Is like, don't expect people to necessarily want to be your teacher, but know that some people will work with you on helping you understand their specific experience and then consider that that experience may not speak to every single person's. Before you jump in, that's ex- I'm just piggybacking again, is like, show me you care, right? If you're asking me the first question that comes to your mind, you haven't put enough effort into it for me to... Thought. Yeah, you haven't put any thought into it. Why should I spend my time bringing you from zero to one? Mm. Now, if you want to go from one to two, then I might be more inclined to spend some of my own personal time on you because you've come with the effort. And like my high school uh, calculus teacher, that's what he would say is like, yeah, you have a book read it. I'm not going to waste any time on you guys if you're not going to actually try. Interesting. Well, and I think, um, so to Milan's point, I think one thing that actually does help, so we're also big movie buffs. We go to way too many moves, rest in peace, movie pass, right? (laughs) Um, But we, I I think that popular, popular culture is a big part of being able to engage on some of these, like, stereotypes and questions and conversations because the more you can bring different representations to the table both in literature and in television and in movies it makes it easier for someone who knows nothing to go from zero to one without having to delve into a lot of things that could be very confusing and as long as you come in with the perspective of like trying to seek something out like the thing that bothers me the most about uh, Netflix algorithms is when I get a series of movies that are, uh, what are they? Black film. And I'm like, you right. I want to watch that movie. I really do. But I also want other people to be exposed to that genre and to know that there are both stereotypes and there are both real things in there that you can then kind of use to help shape some of the things that you might understand about a different person's life, right? And that that to me is like one of the biggest games, which is why I'm always such a proponent of having many different types of perspectives in film and literature because it it's the easiest, quickest way to get to the masses, right? Like the place I grew up, there was no one to ask. Uh, it was me and my brother, and we made up most of the population's like one percent of black people, less than one percent. Yeah, I was gonna right? say like, if one percent. Yeah, right. Really, oh, really? There was there was only two hundred people. Yeah, right. Like so, like just so many. Like 
like so so few resources for people. So it's like, yeah, pick out a book by a black author or pick out a book by an LGBT author. Like choose something that is not your norm. Try and find a story that doesn't match your own. And that's that's the very first step to being like, I I can then try and find somebody who can be my friend. I mean, geez. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. It's drawing the distinction, just cutting it in half between you care about this subject or you have nothing else to talk about. If you got nothing else to talk about, you don't have to talk about what I'm made of or who I'm mixed with. Just shut up. Look for any other thing. Look for the what, what's the logo on my shirt? Am I wearing a hat? Who made my shoes? Anything like that. So you're a big Dodgers fan, huh? Yes, right? I'd, I'd rather go into that. But if you actually... I just like the hat. Yeah, right. Perfect. <laughs> end of can. conversation. <laughs> I mean, I've had long... Actually, this is going to be a complete tangent, but I'm thinking of getting a cowboy hat because I have a fear of the sun, and <laughs> it actually offers great coverage, and they're designed to like stay on you, because I ride my bike a lot, right? Yeah. So they're designed to stay on you. Get, a, you get, one of the, get one of those huge like beach hats. The sun hats. Well, how does that, yeah, why do those they, not work they're, for you? They're, they're not designed for high wind, you know? They'll just blow uh, right okay. off of you. But cowboy hats. What? You, you got a little thing right. that'll let you just all the way to the yeah. neck, choke yourself to death with it on? Just, <laughs> just, just saying. There's options. That's all but I'm see, saying. This, this is exactly it. If you have nothing to talk about, you can talk about <laughs> hats. <laughs> You know? Well, you're saying you have nothing to talk about? Oh, I'm this hurts. Saying. It hurts. <laughs> oh, that. Uh. Talk about hats before you start asking a person what their, what their ethnicity is. For the record, you're not allowed to get a cowboy hat. It just... <laughs> It's not, it's, what about a Boy Scout hat? I mean, oh, you just won't look that's weird, in, but I'll, I'll, in I any approve. of them. I approve. Also, I have a Boy Scout hat. You can have it. Great. This is perfect. It's because it's because all of us we hate all of us hate it. So we're all very happy that the Mormon <laughs> Church is getting out of the BSA. No one, I would say, fifteen percent of people liked it. Everybody else hated that they were forced to go to it. Why? Because weirdos do that. Weirdos do Boy Scouts. <laughs> uh, so we're all weirdos. Sorry. Oh, that was one thing that I was going to caveat with what you said as well. Uh, One thing with Mormons, though, is we love when people ask us questions because then we can try and convert you. Mm. Uh, We're very open to it. We're like, you want to know about, oh, you want to talk about polygamy? Would you like to come to church and find out that we don't do it anymore? How exactly am I going to convert you to blackness? No, no, no. Exactly. No, 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 no. Exactly. Exactly. Like, that's like, that's why it's like the very, the reason that we're very receptive to those questions and like it almost, and I think that's probably like the worst thing that, not the worst thing, Mormonism is not the worst thing that happened in my life, but like. You just get trained, be like, oh, it's cool to have people ask these questions yeah. about you. And so you also do the reverse. Do the reverse where it's yeah. like, hey, I like when people ask about my, I was about to say, my weird thing, yeah. which I, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and so anything that is different, that's, we kind of will portray it as yeah. weird. Um, yeah. yeah. And I think Mormonism might be a better lens on yeah. race than something like uh, even Catholicism. I don't want to like, ruin the catholics day here but like <laughs> i feel like just from my experience uh lds people take being lds as like a core Very identity serious. thing yep. like you mm. like not as a choice you didn't choose to be lds you are lds in the same way that you didn't choose to be black you are black but turns out in the end 
occasionally you can choose not to be LDS. I do think it's a little bit, it's a little bit more similar to Judaism in the sense Mm, where like, like where it's just like, even if you're not practicing or whatever, you still can like, it's not quite though. Like I think because non-Orthodox Jews, 5,000 years of history. Yeah, exactly. Like non, (laughs) non non-Orthodox Jews will still do everything. Whereas non-Orthodox Mormons will still say, Oh, I'm Mormon, but won't do all the Orthodox things. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you guys deep. want to talk about Judaism now? No, <laughs> Here's a fun fact. My brother Justin is a biblical scholar of the Jewish tradition. Really? Uh, yeah. That's something that you were talking about, like learning. Uh, a lot of the learning that I've done has been forced learning that I was very happy. Like uh, my religious history class at BYU, we read Asher Lev, which taught me a ton about Judaism, and it's super interesting because you just see, like, while I was struggling with my faith and everything, I'm reading this book about this little Jewish artist boy who can't do art because it's not okay to do. Hmm. So that was really fun to read and be like, oh, we struggle the same. And then the other one was um, Blood Done, Sign My Name. That one is about just basically 1970 South Hmm. and how even after, yeah, that one was interesting as well. Uh, What was... Those were probably like the two most impactful books that I read, mm-hmm. but it was, I was forced to do it. Mm-hmm. So I'm not like trying to say like, oh, I'm this great guy or anything, but I'm very happy that I was forced to do it. Yeah. yeah. So I wonder how much I'm missing out, missing out on as far as learning goes, just because I'm not being forced to do yeah. any type of learning. Well, that I mean, that goes back to the point earlier about uh, college campuses and like the whether or not students should be not. Forcibly exposed. That sounds like well, a streaker. A f- or you something, chose but... to go to college. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you, you chose you chose to go to college to engage in learning. And does learning have to be safe? I I don't think so. I think your ideas should be challenged. There's nothing I have been. Are we going to get into safe spaces now? Well, I mean, we already talked about safe spaces a little bit. It's just like I force learning is super important. Like whether you are cool or not is, is a, a different point. But I think that, uh, because I, I, I guess I try to learn now. Sometimes I just like to sit on my couch and couch and veg, but at the same time, I think that right. My, my most formative years do continue to be the years where I had to read some crazy philosophical writings of somebody who was born thousands of years before me and that still have applicable lessons, you know? And so I would love if there was actually more forced learning of things that included different perspectives. Like one example I thought of recently, um, well, two actually is, is we have this very interesting idea of diversity being mostly just black and white. And that's like my whole world, right? Because that's, that those are the races I'm made up with. If if that's what you want to, you know, distill it down to. But the two examples are first, recently we did a trivia game at work where we had to identify faces of people and they were mostly famous, like, um, relevant like historically relevant uh, figures, right? Um, I won, by the way. I'm just saying, small bragging rights here. But whatever. <laughs> what was most interesting to me is that the only people represented were uh, white people and black people, and I was like, 
Okay. Like there were probably other people who are historically relevant that I think a number of people would get. And there are also people who are historically relevant that we never talk about. And I find that fascinating. It's the same with Oscar So White. So in what, 2015 and 2016, there are, I guess, 2016, 2017 Oscars, because it's the following year. There were, right, like the campaigns to say the Oscars are so white, no one of color ever gets uh, like, nominated for films or is part of this industry or blah, 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 blah. But, um, I actually care about that. So not blah, but whatever. Um, the, the thing that was interesting to me is then the following year, there was a lot more diversity, but it had two flavors. It was white and it was black. And I was like, there, there is so much more in the world than just these two categories. Like we, we have to, if you want to be a champion of diversity, like you have to think about what that really means. And diversity is not two things. It is not binary. It is so much more than that. And that's the thing that I think schools can help you with. I think that forced learning can help you with is that you, you should have to read other perspectives and they're more than just two always. We live in this binary because it's very, very convenient. It's and easier. It's so easy. One, right? zero, like, zero, zero, one, exactly, one, zero. Exactly, right? Yeah. The internet, yep. anything else that we do. But in order to have a depth of understanding, you have to get more than just the other side. There are not just pros and cons. There's literally a spectrum. It's laziness. Yeah. Well, it's, it's laziness and convenience. Well, my thing was going to, like, when you're talking about, like, how diversity it usually comes down to white or black, like... I know nothing about Eastern history. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. All Nobody I know does. about is democracy. So, all right, we'll talk about we'll talk about Italy. We'll talk about Rome, I should say. Roman Greece. Yeah. Because they had democracy. And then we'll talk about Europe because they've basically been our allies. I know nothing about Russia either. And they were allies oh, yeah. in World War II. Like I know it's it's that little small piece of Europe in the United States. That's all we talk about. Uh, just because that's apparently what somebody decided was important to teach us. Um, and I agree, I think, but what's great about now is like, we have the ability if we want to learn as much as we want to, I'm not good at that, honestly, but I hope people get better at it. I don't know. Well, no, there won't because history is a story you tell yourself to make yourself feel better about yourself. That's, that's the core of it. Like certainly there's schools of history that are deconstructive now. There's more. I don't know, kind of like probing thought in history, but the reason you take a history class in middle school and high school is to reinforce your buy-in to the culture that you're in. That's that's why we're in school at all as young people. It's not to make you a better person. It's to make you a better American. That's the whole point. Make of you a thing. better one of us. Yeah, like whatever, exactly. Wherever that could be. And so... Who decides what being an American is? Who decides what it, what information is necessary to make you a better American? And it, you know, it. There's a lot and of it people. It differs involved. in every state and exactly. every region. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Right? So if if being Japanese is not on the priority list of your local school district, your city council, and your state government, then you're particular personal story isn't going to be on the curriculum and I think that's actually fine because it leaves as long as the thing that's being taught doesn't negatively portray you as a person I think it leaves a lot of room for curiosity a lot of room for you and your family and your community to kind of 
learn and tell your own stories. Figure it out yourself. Yeah, and doing that, I think, actually creates a stronger community. I'm going to go to the example of the Mormon faith, is that when the LDS people left Illinois and came to Utah, they were pretty much by themselves, and they had the chance to kind of like live together, work together, and build their own story, and that has carried on to today. I mean, it's changing a lot because all of us Californians are moving into Utah, but that sort of exercise of like, of kind of more or less undisturbed self, self storytelling is what creates a strong culture. But, but consider the resources that are involved in that. Like, oh, certainly. Yeah. Everything, everything, everything comes down to economics in the end. I hadn't gotten to that yet, but that's been <laughs> on my mind. But it's all about money. Race doesn't matter. It's all about money. I think people could also fill it in with stuff that isn't true or yeah. isn't correct or yeah. like is wrong. And so that's where you get people that are... Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, that's the thing that uh, you you can have a misshapen story as long as it's, um, but you can also have a concerted effort to continue that narrative regardless. And I think that's fascinating. That's a, a tenet of many major religions, right? It's like, and it's any history. Even, even states and countries, sorry to cut you off there, but it doesn't matter true or false, whether it's factually accurate if the story is compelling enough, if the story is strong enough... Like the Game of Thrones. Exactly. People people <laughs> believe in it. And that's that's what the point of history is, to make people believe in the thing that you're trying to do together. You know? So, right or wrong, true or false, you can say whatever you want. Like, and welcome to America in 2018, facts don't matter. It's how strong is the story you're telling. Mm. And so, if I'm going to circle this all the way back, is when you ask me where I'm from or what I'm mixed with, you're trying to fit me into that story, the story you grew up with, the societal or cultural story that you are. And right away, that lets me know that I am outside. That, that, that creates a yeah. us and a you, a, a we and a them sort of dichotomy. And, you know, it's like if I'm feeling generous, I can just, you know, brush it along and try to, like, work with the person to find the the space that is already open in their story for me to fit in. Or I can say, no, I'm from L.A. I'm from Culver City. I was born in Brahman's Hospital. All my family's from Los Angeles, stuff like that, to kind of like forcibly keep myself outside of the story to kind of keep that sort of like tension, what are you going? Um, does anyone, I, I like that as a, normally I do... Um, I go off for about 10 minutes at the end of something, but, um, does anyone else have any like last minute? I thought that was a good, Oh, does anyone have any last minute thoughts? Do you have any thoughts, April? There's still some thoughts. I'm going to keep going. Okay. About what? Uh, I'd say in most cases, it's better to ask than to not ask something and feel like you're racist. I'd say ask Google first. You've got it in your pocket. We all do. <laughs> Siri works too. Uh, I'll check right now. <laughs> like, what is Milan mixed with? <laughs> I, I would like to actually see those Google results. Take Wikipedia, out my, Milan Internet Exchange. Take out my name here. and just write the question, what are you mixed with, and see what comes up. <laughs> um, because I always go back to my thing where I'm all about learning and trying to 
to get better at everything. And I don't think that um, enough people, everyone's just too scared to get better. And everyone's too, it's like you said, like, don't be scared of like asking the question or whatever, but be afraid of not being educated on the question that you're, you're asking because you could be opening a whole world of hurt within a conversation that you had no idea because you're just like, I'm just going to ask this question. Um, so it's almost like, don't be, be a sniper. Don't be a gunslinger in our, and like now like be very, very precise in what, I was going to say what your goals are, but that sounds bad, but like be very precise in how you approach things. And I personally think, think that things get better when people just, it goes back to that when people just care. Like if you have this empathy or desire to like literally love one another um, and try to find that understanding, things just get so much easier um, in every conversation that you're going to have and all the interactions that you have with people. And I just wish if anyone takes any, if you don't take anything else away from today, take away what Alex said. Don't listen to Milan or April. Listen to what Alex said last. Um, like it, it's ultimately... Just be like, I don't know. Ask yourself, why are you asking this question? Well, because another, sorry, and another thing that, like, I've talked about this before, it's not, this shouldn't be a conversation that you have with anyone uh, on the internet, in person, period, even though I know on the internet it's hard to, like, control things. It shouldn't just be like, somebody says something, you're racist. It should be like, you're racist, and then you go into the reasons why and how they could have better approached, like, whatever subject it may be. And I think that's what people are scared of, just like, I don't, I don't know what I did. What, because really they don't know. And then if people do explain to them what they did in that situation and they're like, maybe they'll be more receptive. I I honestly think just going straight up, someone calling someone racist will shut them off. Someone racist is the most unproductive thing you can do in a conversation. That's like a grenade you throw into that conversation. Nothing else good happens. We all suck at communicating, communicating, even though we're all communications majors. (laughs) Well, and I mean, if, if if your intention as a person of color is to um, isolate that person and uh, forcibly draw lines further, then sure, go ahead, call him a racist. <laughs> but if you intend as a person, and and here's my actually my biggest fact is like if you are a person with the mental wherewithal and you have the mental capacity, as in you haven't been worn down that day, or you have an ability to like be patient please engage on the, in the conversation. Like there, there are times where I'm like, I don't, I don't actually have time for this today. So we can talk about this tomorrow, but like, this is a concerning statement and I'd love to be able to talk to you about why that actually is right. Like, let's just get into it. But tomorrow, cause I it's compassion on a lot of it's on yeah. everybody's side. It, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, cause think about it this way. Like you've all known teachers You've all had teachers. I mean, have you ever like talked to a teacher outside of school? Like, oh, geez, I got 120 kids asking me questions all day. It's a very tiresome profession, right? Now imagine that you're just a person out in the world with 120 people just asking you questions all day. Not just questions, but the same question. I mean, you've experienced this, right? Yeah. Yeah. Someone just asking, like, it's it can it's really tiresome like not to say that you know you shouldn't ask questions i don't intend to shut anybody down for that but maybe i'm just trying to get at like that self-awareness to be like has this question been asked before why am i asking this person this question is this the best time to ask this person this question could i ask someone else could i put it on the internet that's sort of like self-awareness because you don't know 
you don't, you know, you never know what someone's going through, right? Like I could ask you, you know, what, what happened to your leg and it could be a very, um, emotionally traumatic. Exactly. It could be calling you back over and over and over again to something that you maybe would rather not be getting called back to over and over again. And you can't do anything about it. I mean, you got to let your leg heal. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So I'm getting strident. <laughs> so yeah, well, just, like, I, that's kind of, and I think that makes you a more interesting person when you come up with questions that you think people aren't asking people all the time. Absolutely. Uh, one thing that I do with, especially here in Utah, everyone has kids. I know all of the questions that people are getting asked. Mm-hmm. So I always, I was like, this is my, this is my go-to question. Cause I guarantee that they never get asked it. My go-to question is like, so what's it like to have nobody care about you anymore? <laughs> That's my go-to question because, because ultimately whenever people are interacting with them, it's all about the baby, all about the baby, all about the baby. So it's a little bit playful with people, but at the same time, and once again, I'm not like the greatest communicator in the world, but I, I like that. Like thinking about what are the questions that you've been asked a million times? Cause I hated it when I got home from my mission. These are the questions. Um, when you get home, these are the questions. So how's the language? Like for, that's for foreign, not for you cr- people who had crappy missions in the United States. <laughs> What's your, uh, how's the, la- like you're still speaking an accent. How long was the plane ride? Mm. This is a very common one. When's your, when are you giving your talk? Which mm-hmm. is kind of nice because at least they want to go and see it. Okay. Um, and what's the other one? When are you getting married? When are you getting married? Aww. Yeah. So like, like stuff like, like kind of stuff like that. Like it's always, I think there's a lot of different people just suck at communicating. So they go to their go-to yeah. always questions. Yeah. That's actually a great point. And I let's just take. <laughs> Let's just take what you mixed with off the list of go-to always <laughs> questions. <laughs> Cross it off the list. What were you about to say? I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say, like, I, uh, I, I love that point for my own self is that I frequently am that person who's like, oh, I have eight of the same questions that somebody else already asked you. Are yeah. you ready? Let's yeah. go. Do you, you should just walk around with a little, like, clipboard, and then I'll be done. But I, I there's actually something to that. Uh, maybe not the same... Uh, mental cost in in certain situations right like some people yeah, love to gosh not. about their yeah. kids but the concept stands and i think that's actually an excellent tool for people who are trying to acquaint themselves with different groups of people is like a really simple way to say what haven't they been asked today and how can i be respectful of that so i like that so so like i'm really good at race relations totally I, so i'm like i'm good right guys yeah. This is this is one hundred percent for uh, to make me feel good about myself. So. Yeah, we have, we have cards. We we can give you a stamp for yeah, that. Okay, I was, yeah. I, I've heard about that. I've heard about I've heard about that yeah, before. We, we took Ben Carson's away, actually. So, <laughs> <laughs> so like I know I've noticed that there's a spot on my California ID. Like you know how they have a like a donor sticker yeah. you put on. Yeah. I have that no racist circle that I need to fill. Is that the sticker that you guys are? That yeah, you guys are talking it should be about? just a, a small brown circle right next, to, right next to the small red circle. Yes, it's actually a service we provide. One ninety nine, hundred ninety nine dollars. It's like um, it's like your um, oh, what, what's that occupation? Go to blackbestfriends.com. <laughs> Blackbestfriends.com. Oh, what is that? This uh, is real, though. One of our, well, we want to reach out to the sponsors of the sponsors of the podcast, Blackbestfriends.com, for <laughs> donating today. Um, it's like, what is that? What is that occupation? You're the person who like literally notarized? just looks notarized. Yeah, it's like oh, you guys are notaries. notaries? Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> 
So uh, we're uh, we're uh, ra- we're uh, anti-racist notaries, so we can sign. If you were just trying to figure out, like we we got you on this one. Oh my gosh, we can't get yeah. into notaries. I have really strong feelings. Oh, I didn't. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to bring. Yeah, it. that's it. Was more, Tr- trigger it was, warning. It was more for notaries. It's more for the very poorly planned joke. I'm just kidding. Well, There's no trigger warning for notaries. Um, I would just want to thank you guys for being open and honest. Love to have you guys on for something other than uh, like that was like I had that in the thing. I didn't want to bring it up, but I'm bringing it up right now. Like, is it like weird? It's almost like I, I imagine people are going to be listening to this. Like, well, Alex just totally did that. He just like, all right, I want to talk to people about race. Uh, there's a long backstory to like how this that I don't want to bring up that how this podcast came to be like this episode. Um, but I also just don't want people to think like, oh, yeah, he was just. Basically, just checking off a box, making sure that like it was, it it was very much not planned that way. But I very much love the conversation. Love to talk about something else, uh, economics. I don't even know what that is. Never heard of that <laughs> word before. I'd love to talk about that. Um, but thanks a ton. Uh, next time that we have something that we want to talk about, I hope you guys give it a listen. Feel free to like, comment, and continue the conversation by following us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and SoundCloud. Subscribe to us on iTunes, and if you are feeling especially generous, leave us a review on iTunes. We prefer five stars, but value the truth more. We plan on keeping this free to listeners forever, because we love you. Thanks for listening, and let's keep being better. Pie? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. What, what is this? Pie. Were you not listening? It's pie. I, I just, it's, uh, it's from the Dodo. What is, wait, okay, so the Dodo was the restaurant. a restaurant um, that's in Salt Lake? Yeah, whenever we come down to Salt Lake, we want to make sure that uh, we hit a restaurant because it's so far away. Little plates, huh? Yes. Little plates. I was about to get get real racist in here. I'm glad it's not recording anymore. Should I unplug this? Yeah, let's leave it in. We're still recording. I record after. It's always good. We're not gonna. We're not. It's always good for an Easter egg. I like throwing those at the end. Oh, jeez. But wouldn't it be nice if we gave you food poisoning? It'd be pretty funny. (laughs) We could have a follow-up. I'd have that. So. Was there any reason why? Like, well, you said quite a few racist things throughout the podcast. We thought it might be better that you learn from that mistake. Listen, it's pasteurized, it's sealed, and it's been in the fridge. True enough. Pastori, man. Pastori. Pastori, what's that? That's what pasteurization. He's the guy who invented it. Oh, Louis Pasteur, gotcha. Is it I don't know how you say it, but like, you're probably right. You're probably saying it right. You're probably saying it right. I always thought it was pasturi. I thought you were yeah. pa- saying pasturity. Like, like a, no, no, I was the, trying to say the guy's name. Oh, it's pasture. Yeah. Well, what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> Not French. <laughs> it was no one, no one knows. The way you're saying it was Italian. Pasturi. <laughs> In which case, you have no. Pastur. Uh, oh, gosh. Yeah, you. No, I was totally wrong. Yeah. No, 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 no. Last night. No, no. What did I do? I was on the couch watching a movie. Oh, no. And she called me from upstairs. 
She picked up her phone and called me. Said, Where are you waiting? Were you, you were asleep? Yeah. I don't know that this happened. That is insane. The first part of the movie was like 30 minutes later, I get this, this nighttime call. That's where you get people that are.